0: Everybody's favorite Christmas character, the Grinch, is here. And the the reason the Grinch is, well, we all grew up with it, of course, but I'm good friends with Sarah Karloff and her dad did the narration, the first Grinch. So when they were doing a Chuck Jones tribute, I was gonna do a Dr. Rock thing out in Vegas. They had Chuck Jones there. And so we were going for the 50th anniversary. And um, one of those elements was Sarah's dad. And so I talked to Sarah about it, and then we unveiled the Grinch over there for the 50th anniversary. So we built a full size and played Boris's um, narration. And this way, Sarah could always tell, you know, um, the story about her dad, which she kind of learned from us. Now I have a puppet of Boris Karloff, which when I started Monster TV 20 years ago, um, I went to Sarah and I said, what do you think when we hung out for a while? And so I created the Karloff puppet. And basically when Karloff would talk, he would go, oh, no problem, my dear friends. We'd simply be there with the Grinch. Now, I won a Grammy for that. The problem is that little thing they gave me was just a doorstop. (laughs) (laughs) And and she loved it. And uh, so we wound up doing this project together and everyone loves the Grinch.
1: Cannabis Media original content is sponsored by Revolutionary Clinics, with three locations in the Greater Boston market, where the medical patient comes first, and by Green Goddess Supply, your online paraphernalia superstore and the home of the Armoire indoor growing system, and by Holyo Cannabis, the sponsor of the Massachusetts Cannabis Report, and by. TCP Lighting, grow like a pro with Style Lighting's LED Grow Kit, and by Charles River Insurance, your experienced insurance specialist for the cannabis industry, and Greenspoon Martyr, one of the most respected law firms in the cannabis industry. Hi, everybody. Welcome again to another special edition of In the Weeds with Jimmy Young on the road at Nican and the High Lifestyle event show here at Boxborough Regency Hotel in Boxborough, Massachusetts. I'm Jimmy Young, the founder of Pro Cannabis Media and, yes, the host of In the Weeds with Jimmy Young. Obviously, in this particular case, it's going to be in the weeds with Jimmy Young and Bill Diamond. And if you don't know who Bill Diamond is, I know you've seen his work because this guy has been around the media world for about as long as I have, actually, yeah, you know, but
0: we're still young.
1: I'm always going to be young. Thank God for that last <laughs> name. <laughs> and, uh, by the way, it's about the only thing in me that is young, I might add. you know, uh, It is what it is. Bill, you've had an incredible uh, career. You're, you're obviously gifted with, with talent, uh, with illustration talent, creative talent. You've been around some of the biggest names in the creative world of television and movie making uh, for the last 30, 40, 50 years. The changes that both of us have seen. I started editing film in 1977 at Channel Four WBZ Boston when I was just 20 years old, and now so we've. Be your uh, little knife. Yeah. <laughs> I have that Exacto knife. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what it was. In fact, I just I just went to
0: the hardware store to get some of those, those razor blades again, <laughs> Internal right? blades. That's, that's right. what you need. That's right.
1: That's right. Um, the changes you've seen uh, with computer art, and yet I still saw you with your hand drawing here. The other day when I walked in, you still enjoy the the hand and um, writing utensil, drawing utensil, felt marker you use um, as opposed to all the newfangled technology.
0: Yeah, I mean the thing is, is that when you're drawing on a, a palette or a, uh, or anything else, the computer is deciding for you, even though you're picking what you want. It's going to make when you have markers, you're going to make a mistake. And you're going to uh, str- straighten it out by either starting all over again or knowing how to manipulate the colors or the lines to to do what you want it to do. It's still a hand. It's a it's an art form that just keeps you in. It's not keystrokes, even though you can use a palette with a marker. It's it's if you can't draw on a on a pen, and pencil, or paint or a marker just going to a computer is not enough it's
1: not as fulfilling it's like a broadcaster loves radio because radio allows your voice to be the
0: medium that you are an artist of if you will and and look how that's changed now you get to do radio but everybody gets to watch you and that seems to be the trend in everything especially in sports right visual radio pretty much you know or podcasts or whatever, but now you're visually seen and they're all doing it. So it's it's not like anything changed. You just put a camera in the room. That's all they did. And and there's so many people out there. I work with
1: young people and uh, even older people get a little freaked out by the camera, right? So I get them to talk to a plastic bottle and I explain to them that it's an inanimate object, just like the camera is an inanimate object. Like there could be a camera in that coffee cup right there. Neither one of us would know
0: it. So why would you be afraid of it? The only problem is if I did that, that coffee cup, i start making it talk yeah I believe that and then we'd have to go on a coffee break but that's all <laughs> there is to it so.
1: you've done some consulting for the Yes Network I know you've won a few of the Emmys uh, what exactly are you doing you're doing set design lighting what exactly are you doing
0: with well, the Yes I, Network but the interesting thing about doing stuff with sports they come to me to kind of give them a different feel you know, they'll do the standard, they'll do digital, they'll put their plays. But what was nice was the play is kind of now on real sets instead of just green screen. They kind of like it. They don't understand it. So they stand in front of nothing. That's not their medium. They don't know what to do with it. They're like, just stand here. So the thing is, is brought them back to actually moving through something. And and they feel much more relaxed, um, you know, because they're not from that world. They play baseball or they play football. So unless their idea is to get into media, which some do, then they, they, they understand it. But having these physical surroundings, they have fun with. And so that's what we do for them uh and and with the technology now those guys love
1: to be in front of screens and being able to telestrate with the various graphics that follow the hands and they can engage with the audience with their experience And the technology to explain what's going on on the field—it's pretty cool.
0: Yeah, I mean, there were one of the things we do with the players is the fact that if the players are there and they're batting, we put the logo, uh, the logos, or the stand among the logos, the lighting in the background—they can, they have fun because they're walking with something physical, and um, even though you have all this digital stuff flying around them, they still want to come in. Where if there's nothing there, that they're like, "What do you want me to do?" You know, and it's not like them not having a bat in their hand they just don't know what to do with it
1: when you look back at this room and see this body of work of your mind um is there anything that stands out something you're really proud of or are you proud of just about every single project you finish
0: i i like them all so there's not one that i can just because everything was a different time or a different period that we were doing things and they were as new and fresh there um so it's exciting and that's what's nice about it. it is always fresh it's always new there's new characters new things to explore um sure you liked liked going back and seeing them but it's really for for more the fans than it is for me i'm more interested in seeing how they react and i know then whatever i do my next thing where it should go and how it should go because now you're dealing with different ages so they're they're looking at everything differently And then they were like, what's really funny now is that everything is '80s, 70s and 80s. And I was just explaining this at breakfast this morning was what has changed when you and I were a kid, it was everything to do with the 40s and 50s because our parents could connect with that. All right, so that's what they did. So TV shows like Happy Days and anything to do with that was the time period. And we were like, Seeing that, my parents would say, or your parents would say, this is what we did. You know, now, they're 30, 40, and 50 that are coming to the shows, and the stuff that we did in the 80s is stuff that their childhood, that they're trying to express. Well, this is the kind of stuff that we watch, not what you're watching. So, what what was kids then are now the parents, and they keep going back that this is their childhood. So, that we're seeing a lot happen. So I played him, and he was like, he was based on uh, a guy named David Eden who who's traveled and wrote traveling books all yeah. around the country. Yeah. And he was a scientist, and I always liked that time travel stuff. So when I created him and I would puppeteer him, his, his voice would be, oh, fantastic! unbelievable look at this with this energy these creatures this thing that he got around his neck unbelievable how that works what is that i kind of saw that in an ancient artifact once you know and it was that kind of thing
1: yeah well that, that we can also relate to the same uh, 70s and 80s thing god you remember the 60s just like i do too when we were really kids
0: well, yeah, I mean, you know, you you were watching TV shows that were very different than they are now. You know, but things that stood the test of time like Star Trek or anything like that, we will we've those shows have expanded and changed with us. The audience has or Star Wars has covered a gamut of 30 and 40 years. So it's really interesting seeing these audience I watch when they all come in and I'm seeing which ones what lights them up. And every single one of them, even 20-year-olds and even younger than that, keep on saying they like the tangible stuff. They don't like the digital stuff. And I said, but that's what Hollywood thinks you like. And and they're like, well, we really don't. And so it's kind of interesting to see that. And it's also kind of interesting to see them connect with movies like Nosferatu that's 100 years old. So it's it, it, I think sometimes... Uh, place like Hollywood or other studios are not paying attention to what's really out there.
1: Sounds like our political system too. To be honest with you, as more and more I think about yeah, that. Well, I'm know.
0: in puppetry, but if you want real puppetry, go to Washington. <laughs> I knew that was going to go there. Uh, the the process. address is Pennsylvania Avenue. But no, no, go ahead.
1: No, no, no. There's another one down the road. They're both. You know what? it We have checks and balances, right? Pretty much. And and, the, and one of the checks became political recently. I don't know if you noticed that, that the Supreme Court became a little political. But we're not going to talk politics, right? No, I never
0: talk politics. <laughs> yeah. If I do, then we shut the phone off. <laughs> That's all right. That's all right. I want to go back to the uh, a project with you.
1: Yeah. Uh, what Take me through... The beginning, the idea, who's involved? Is it you just sitting up at night and and thinking of different characters or someone working with you? I'm looking for a character that can do this or looks like that or would appeal to this demographic. How how
0: does it work when it comes to the creative process? Well, I always joke with Jimmy. What's Jimmy? One of my guys over there, because and and people will always come up to me and say, "Where do you get your characters?" Now, this is usually at a bar, and as Jimmy says, we open them and close them. uh, And I say, I never have to go too far to be inspired. Find something all around me. So, (laughs) so the the point is, is that if I'm creating something or or a series of characters, I I will find, (laughs) especially socks. I will find them in in a in a bar setting or a, a public setting. They're all around. When I come to a Comic-Con and I'm there, they're all there. Right. So the I never, oh yeah, they're all there. You don't have to go too far. So I turn around and they, they walk up to me, whether they have a, a Creature or Audrey 2 plan or like they walk in with, you know, an E.T. costume on and I'm like, you don't have to go. There they are. You know, you just, so so you change shows. You go from, you go from a, a bar to another bar and you go to a, from a, uh, a restaurant to another place. The characters are all out there. I just give them a different look. The Land of the Moonshins I created in '79. It was a comic strip that I did in the newspaper, and it was a series of characters that lived on the moon. And it was interesting because later on, um, I showed it to Jim. He liked it. Um, and Fraggle Rock was a big head so we were in the midst of of that and so I wanted to bring, I toured them as a live show. They were on cable. We did do a couple of episodes on cable and they were fun. So I sat for a long time uh, on it and then moved away from it. We did the shows live. We redesigned them and brought them all back because the world was ready for them. Um,
1: what made the world ready for them?
0: The the internet. So. The reason for it is the, the creatures live on the moon and they have a great dynamics, but the, it's not a kid's show. So they'll they'll talk about what Earth is doing, the politics with Earth, that, you know, Snacks is what we call the pessimist. He'll turn around and say, yeah, they haven't been here for 50 years. The last time they were here, they left a golf cart and a flag and they thought it was a local golf course with all the holes in it. And then they left. And it'll snap and then Garf over here then turns around and said well I just this what's in the episode I just found out the earth is flat
1: is it Kyrie Irving
0: and, and he said <laughs> so what do you mean well there's this whole society the Flat Earth Society and he says and Snack says well that that shows you why they haven't come here and he goes why well I think they fell off <laughs> so it's all that and it really kind of messes around with that generation point of you and going out in there we get to talk about it in a neutral way and play with all the opposing teams and we can say whatever we want and now in this world that's a rare thing and so they'll do it for us.
1: Yes, you do. Yes, you do. And, and you know, um, I think I told you I have a dear friend, Neil Portnoy, who's also an illustrator. He's in mm-hmm. Vegas, and he t- he was, he's one of the funniest guys I've ever met in my life. Naturally funny, the shtick. You know, Don Rickles with a pen, Norman Rockwell, a uh, sports artist. I mean, he's really had a nice career and now is settled in Las Vegas. And he used to say when we went to the art expo, it's always seascapes, landscapes, and nudes, right? That's, mm-hmm. that's what people paint, but illustration is a true, um, it's, a, it's a way to really show the person as the world sees them through your eyes. Is that accurate?
0: Yes, it is. And, you know, I'm if I do a drawing, I'm always, and again, I can see them walk up and down and see a piece of art or the character. And at that point, that visual sense, when they see the eyes, that's the window of the world. So the eyes are what, what, does it? So they're looking into the eyes of these creatures, and the the artwork is looking back at them. So you know where they light up, you know, and and what what they get turned on to, and that's where you find it. I'm so my favorite Disney character has always been Goofy
1: because my personality fits. Mm-hmm. Um, besides the goofiness, and you haven't really hung out with me too long, but you've seen me around the last couple of days. If you had to come up with a a cartoon character based on on my chaotic energy and personality. What what, what do you think it would look like? <laughs> I think Goofy's working.
0: <laughs> I was going to say I set you up for that. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's working. <laughs>
1: I'm comfortable with my goofiness okay
0: that's fine you know oh well, sure no problem <laughs> that's
1: right <laughs> oh gosh isn't it great though to be our age because we're the same age i could say that okay i'm not going to tell everybody what it is you get to guess but um we can still play in
0: the sandbox bill kidding i'm too busy building the sandbox what are you talking about <laughs> well how do you think this sand got there There's a lot of people that come in and say, you know, when I go to a corporation and they say to me, they said, we want to think out of the box on here, which corporations Mm can't. I can tell you that right now. And they say they can. And I'm like, really? Is that why I'm here? You know, so a lot of times they'll, they'll ask that question as well as they will ask the question is, have you ever done this before? And my next answer is, apparently you haven't. That's why I'm here. So, thinking outside the box, I'm too busy building the box so that everyone can get into it.
1: I love that. That is a great way to look at uh, a a, a life's work too. I mean, you look back at that. Uh, I don't know about you, but I feel I'm, I've been very, very fortunate to have as blessed a life as I have. I got to um, interview some of the biggest sports figures in the 80s and 90s and had my own show and won one of, the, won one of those trophies, not three of them, but I won one of those trophies. And uh, I always say this to people. I say, you know, if God wanted me tomorrow, not today, tomorrow, I have too much to do today, tomorrow, I have lived a very, very happy life. I've been blessed. Did you, how do you look at your life looking back now?
0: Well, first of all, I always look forward. And second of all, I have a deal with the Grim Reaper. Your personal friends, i I have a good deal. First of all, he, he had a problem. He came to me, and I built him a sickle. Uh-huh. Then he said, well, someday I will call. Every time he wants to find out the address, I change it. I like that. You've got—he's got shtick. Got I, I like shtick. This is
1: great, um, Bill. What's what's the future for you? Where 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 do you want to go? Where would you like to the see? <laughs> that's where. It's funny. It's the last place I saw you by the way last <laughs> night. Right? I guess that's a regular thing. Okay. Uh, and by the way, I've closed a few bars in my time well, too. Usually, there's not. I'm usually drawing something there. So. <laughs> And anywhere you get inspired, you'll just look for a pen or whatever. Do um, you walk along with a Sharpie all the time?
0: Oh, yeah. Jimmy does, too. <laughs> Jimmy will have what here, sir. There <laughs> you go. <laughs> uh how many people recognize you? I mean, you were pretty, you
1: were walking the, the outside area all by yourself. No one was bothering you. you were just kind of observing. I mean, when then they look inside here and they're, everybody's eyes open up. It's like,
0: oh, my God, who's, what is this? Who is this? Do you still feel like you're flying under the radar a little bit? Um, well, it was really funny. The other day I was walking out at the event, which is a wonderful time out there, and I heard, you're by yourself. You don't have a security guard with you? That's Because like, usually Jimmy or John or, or Keegan will walk with me. So I'm always out there. Well, somebody caught that, and they were saying, how did you get out of there away from them? <laughs> they did. They actually said, "How? what are you doing out here by yourself? You don't have like a, a handler with you. So it, I found that interesting that they even asked me that because I wasn't thinking about that. I'm like, I'm just taking a walk. Hello? <laughs> and they were like, how did you escape? All the asylum was closed for the day.
1: <laughs> Look, a lot of us are here because of the relationship that we have with Gary Somers, the guy right. who's been involved with this uh, collectibles world now for decades, if not centuries. Uh, don't tell him I said that. Oh, I will. <laughs> uh,
0: have you ever been at a cannabis lifestyle show like this? Well, I I was at one... Um, it was at, I believe it was I don't know the all their names a Harvest Cup, I believe it was
1: Right in It's where I met you actually On the streets
0: of Worcester. Right, so I went in Because uh, Jeff and Ben Who do uh, talking with the uh, Dead Comic book And I add elements to it for them And I did their series um, They had me come there So I went to go check this out I was very curious about it So I wound up sitting behind them And then I guess some people Found that I was there And they had asked me to some art. I didn't have any of the characters or anything. And next thing I know, they're announcing that I'm here, and it was almost like I was a guest at the at the event. And I was walking around; everyone was pulling for photos. So it was that was the first time. And I'm like, "This is interesting," because again, I tried to go under the radar, and it didn't happen. And uh, then I get asked by Gary to come to this, and it's it's really interesting. It's tell me why it's interesting. Well. What's interesting is, you know, the different than a Comic Con, everyone's coming to be someone else or likes a character or to meet you. Here, they're here to relax, have fun, see their favorite product um, because the whole lifestyle is about relaxing and enjoying. And then suddenly I walk through and it's like I find it fascinating because the, 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 the people that are uh, here are putting products together for a relaxed world now in a comic-con world it's it's all over the place okay here it's very it's very laid back everyone's having a good time they're listening to music they're they're finding their favorite um smoke they're finding their favorite edible and i just find it incredible and because i'm doing the zombie Zivid characters which I created, which are cannabis characters, it's interesting to be here because they're all my test subjects. So I go to the booth and I'm watching them all, and I'm actually here. The pen pencil comes back out. Oh, look at that guy! Hey, dude, I really like this smoke. It's really cool. I am. It's glowing on me. So you know, it, it's it's just pure material. <laughs> Twenty years ago, we create. We would always hear about. Weed and, and stuff on Monster TV, so we built these two Ziffit characters. There's Ziffits, and then these are zombie Ziffits, and they were basically. We would always joke, and everyone that would see them, oh, it's like cannabis, it's like a joint or whatever, which was foreign because it was it was out there, but nobody really talked about. It. So we would play with these characters and the whole thing. Well, the whole idea was it it lasted long enough that when. Jeff and Ben created Toking with the Dead comic book. I wanted to test the market even more. And I said, hey, maybe it's time to turn, put this in the comic book. So I do a little special insert with it and started creating them and bringing them back to be this, from fantasy to, you know, talking about cannabis in these crazy zombies that, you know, cannabis takes you over. It it's part of you, but then the whole world flips up inside by the mad scientist that took an alien and a plant, put it together, and what did you get? Cannabis, because it's a plant that can grow well anywhere. I would think you're getting
1: quite a bit, quite a bit out here, because I've seen a lot of characters
0: floating around. Yeah, it's neat. It's 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 different than the comic book world. They're coming because of their favorite comic book or character that they know that's it's interesting they know me and now i'm in this world with them and uh they just don't realize they're all the little rat, uh, mice and rats that are in the thing that i'm watching
1: i tend to be the one who's well, well it look, in
0: circles right I mean, right so <laughs> yeah so it's really fun so i'll come back and doodle and go okay i should I, let's do this because that's an i was fascinated because it was a new market it's a new market to play with because all this—it's it, a new—it's an old thing that a new thing that's being repackaged. Yeah. It's not like it wasn't there before; it always was. It's around
1: the corner, down the alley.
0: Yeah, it—it <laughs> it, it was like if all of a sudden, if you closed the speakeasy. Right. You know, there was a great thing that um, uh, uh, um, W.C. Fields did when um, Groucho came over. And, and, and Groucho walked in and he, he called him Bill and he says uh, go up in the attic and he goes up in the attic and there's tons of boxes and then down in the basement tons of boxes and it's all liquor. Hmm. And Groucho says uh, why do you have all this stuff? Uh, prohibition's over with. And Field says it may come back. <laughs> <laughs> and and that, again, in the cannabis world, that's what it was. And now it's back, but it's different now. So you see all... The, and what I like is seeing all these entrepreneurs out there. And I like seeing them trying to find their their niche, their style, their product. And I love that. So, I, you know, it's always been something I did. So even in the... I've talked about it before it became weevil about creating spaces at these places different than they would ever do. Same thing I do for the Yankees or I did for Caterpillar, or I did for Foxwood. Any of that sometimes creating a world that they're not in for them at some point.
1: Yeah, the entrepreneurial spirit is uh, equaled by the combined passion that everybody has for this cause, for this industry, for what's happening here.
0: And they weren't allowed to do it. So that's what makes this one different. If you wanted to open a jewelry store, you go to a jewelry store, and you have to figure out how to do it. This was not, they love it, they live it. How did they make their world with it when the world was against it? And now it's spinning in a different direction. And um, that's fun to watch. I know you and Jim have had quite a relationship over the years. Well, the interesting thing about The Dark Crystal was that was around the time that I got to know Jim and I was working with Johnny Henson and we were building a balloon thing that was up the middle of John, created by John Kahn. And John created this whole balloons with all the Muppets on it. And Johnny was putting it, and I was documenting it for the whole thing for, for Jim. But at the same time, Dark Crystal was just about ready to come out. And the, a lot of the elements, because it took them five years to make this film. So what was great about it is that we had a, um, a chance to be a part of, a little part of all that, that was going on. And then they were moving the exhibits into Lincoln Center. And this was a project that Jim was very, very passionate about. And it was the first, today it would be nothing. And it's just show you how time changed. There were no celebrities in this movie. There were no stars. There were, at one point, Jim even wanted to make sure that this film was not even going to be, have a language. It was just going to be subtitles. And they would have their own language. Well, I think somebody talked them out of it, and I think that was a good, good thing. But um, because people were very afraid of these creatures, and it, it was, it was, so, before its time. Now movies with characters come out all the time that have no people in it. You know, um, as Walt Disney was trying to put people into cartoon, Jim was taking people out of it. So that was really interesting to see how that would work. And would it, you know, work? The movie did very well, but it was mixed reviews because they didn't know what to do with it. And now, 40 years later, everyone is so infected by it. So what happened later on is that the Henson's knew that, it was a classic that their dad did. So in 2015, they started doing the idea was, what if it was a series, what if it was Netflix, and whatever. And um, they were trying to see if there was an audience for this. They knew there was, they, but they really hadn't tested, and they were doing comic books and all kinds of things. So they, they, the idea was to do some kind of teaser. So we did Rise of the Skexies and um, brought these characters back. Then, then the, they had a whole bunch of fan films come in. And the fan films showed that there were a lot of people out there. And so you could see this small piece that actually Johnny Henson and I talked about for years. What if there was a sequel to Dark Crystal? What if? And so it was something that Johnny and I would play. And when the opportunity came up, we made this little short that we hope that was what sparked it. And um, it was that was our tribute. And I went out. The Hensons played it out in uh, L.A., and we were out there, Brian, and and they had a great time with it. And it was a lot of fun, and it was just something that really, so now we get a chance to take um, this piece out for Jim to see what and how the fans like it.
1: Hey, Bill Diamond, uh, what a pleasure to hang out and talk with you a little bit here today. I knew that it, this would be a fun uh, interview and a good conversation. I so appreciate it. And oh, and also that. appreciate all your work over the years, too. And I think at the end here, what I'm going to ask, if possible, is I'd like to take a walking tour with you through this little exhibit. And you can kind of give me a little background on a few of these things. Would sure, be willing absolutely. to do that? All right. So don't go away because we're going to have that walking tour for you after this break. Remember... This has been In the Weeds with Jimmy Young. It's a whole new world of weed out there. Use it responsibly, but don't go anywhere. We'll be right back.
0: Just to show you where puppetry goes, this is a shoe bill. This was built, there were three of them built, one for the show uh, to tour, and the other two are in South Africa. I built them for South Africa because they feed their young. They actually use this puppet to, and I've worked with them, to the shoebill Adam uh, bird is a very prehistoric bird. It's very tall. It's got a very scary sound to it. And when they feed the young, and not many survive, they can't have too much interaction. So they did. They were trying to play with ways of picking up this meat and feeding. So I had talked to them, and I, you know, they were they were using gloves and putting little eyes on it and trying to make it look. So I built them, and the beak is made specially to handle about 20 pounds of meat that I designed it for to pick up and it actually feeds neon and South Africa and I'm supposed to do it for a number of other places so that's you know so that shows you how why not even commercial thing that we've created characters for things we also use it for nature yeah.
1: cannabis media original content is sponsored by revolutionary clinics with three locations in the greater Boston market where the medical patient comes first and by green goddess supply your online paraphernalia superstore and the home of the armoire indoor growing system and by Holyo cannabis the sponsor of the Massachusetts cannabis report and by TCP lighting grow like a pro with Style Lighting's LED Grow Kit. And by Charles River Insurance, your experienced insurance specialist for the cannabis industry. And Greenspoon Martyr, one of the most respected law firms in the cannabis industry.